What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Ruthless, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. I love you guys. You guys are so awesome. Every time you say, oh, your podcast is good. So thank you for listening. It means the world to me. In today's show, we're going to try a new format, and I have a new co-host with me today, which is David Kelly, who helps make everything possible on the podcast, on Sumo, on OK Dork, and a lot of things that I get to work on. What up, David? What is up, Noah? Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And real quick shout out to David. He is also the most positive person you will ever meet. I told him <laughs> I told him a few months ago, I was like, man, I killed this guy, David. And then David was like, yeah, he deserved it. <laughs> and then I was like, yo, where do we hide the body? No, we got to get rid of the body. Come on, man. David is too damn nice. And I love having him around. He's a great friend. And he's definitely made our show and everything we do better. So we're trying a new format today. And, and David's going to join me on it. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to talk about a few of the people I met and some interesting things I've learned from them. Three companies that we find awesome, and then some quick hits on food, books, shows, and personal. I want to know what you think of this new format. Send me a tweet at Noah Kagan. Let me know if it sucked, which parts you liked, how we can improve it, and we'll make it better for the next time. Hell yeah, let's go. David is so positive, by the way. Did you guys notice this? He's just like, you're like, (laughs) awesome. How do you say so damn positive? I think for a lot of people out there, they're thinking, oh man, life sucks, but you're always positive. How do you do it? On the inside, I don't view myself always as positive. I think like everyone, I kind of go through my ups and downs, highs and lows. But what I I universally think, man, is like I have been so blessed with an opportunity to help people like you, to help people like my friends, to have great friends, to have a good upbringing. So it could be much worse. Here's actually an interesting thing that I do that I haven't heard of many people doing, so I might be crazy. But a lot of times when I watch movies or I read stories, I'll intentionally watch some sad movies sometimes to be like, okay, this is a reminder of how much worse things can get. And I don't do that all the time. I also like action movies and other fun movies. But I think it is a good way to kind of get in the mindset of like, here's what I have. And I could lose it all, or it could be much worse. I'm trying to imagine what's a sad movie for you. Is it Mulan? Is it like Aladdin? (laughs) What's a sad movie for you? Oh, gosh. Basically, anything where someone loses a parent or there's like any type of death of a loved one. Oh, dude, those slay me. Ah, man. I was thinking to myself, like, what is the movie? Yeah. I've cried at like Big Fish. Yep. That was a huge tearjerker. Or, you know, music-wise, Sufjan Stevens or Sufjan Stevens, depending on how hipster you are. I don't know if you ever listened to him, but that is like guaranteed depression music. Yeah, that's interesting too, man, because I know you're a big music guy. And I think music can be very similar in that it puts us in this different state of being kind of like movies. So it's like, hey, if you want to change your mood, whether you want to understand what it could be like to be much worse, or you want to be much happier, music or movies are a great way to do that. Well, speaking of music, David, thanks for that setup. Just on a music note, I want to share a song that is a positive. It's just so damn happy. And we'll have it in the show notes. It's called Daylight by Matt and Kim. So if you're not into indie hipster music, you'll like it. And if you are into hipster music, you're like, no, that's so 2018 or whatever year it is. But go check out Daylight by Matt and Kim. You can't help but just be happy after you hear that song. Dave, what's a positive song or a song of the moment for you that when you listen to you're like, damn, that makes me feel good? Oh, dude, I love Matt and Kim stuff. Matt and Kim stuff is so good. And then there's this album called, uh, I think it's Twist is the New Twerk. And you can <laughs> find it on Spotify. Swear to God, this thing is real. Twist is a new twerk. That's what you're listening to? So I found this recently, man. And I have to tell you, it's this band that takes a bunch of really old songs and does covers using older musical instruments, but they also have like this fun flair to it. So it's really crazy. 
All right. One thing I was talking to David before the show, I did get to meet a few people recently that I thought were really interesting and I wanted to tell you guys about it. So I met two people that really stood out. One of them, David, remember I was telling you about Tim League? Yes. Yes. Tell them about Tim League. Have you been to Alamo Draft House? I haven't, but when you told me about this guy, I actually went online and I looked up his website and what they're doing. You got to tell the listeners because it's just, it's freaking bonkers. So Tim League is the founder of Alamo Draft House. A few of you guys may have noted they have about a 30 locations nationwide. And they were one of the first mainstream people, still independent, but mainstream people to do alcoholic food in the movie theaters where they deliver to while you're sitting down. And they actually bootstrapped it and started it in their garage, which I thought was a really, really amazing story. And so I really wanted to get him on the podcast for you guys to hear more of his journey. So I tried for about a year. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of the guests that you hear, it, it takes a year or more of finally trying to get them to be able to share their stories on the show. And he kept rejecting it. So what ended up happening, this is what I thought was actually the most interesting part of connecting with Tim. Not that he's not an amazing guy and there's a lot of great stories, but I think this is actually most helpful for you, is two parts. So one, to be able to start the relationship with Tim, I didn't have anyone who knew him. I emailed him some feedback about his business. And I think for you guys, if you're trying to connect with anybody, that's a great way to just say like, hey, I, I'm a customer and here's something I thought could be better. So one of their, that sounds so lame, but their chicken spinach wraps <laughs> it wasn't well done. It wasn't tight. The tortilla wasn't tight. God, that sounds so white privilege or something horrible. But the tortilla and spinach wrap was bad. Okay. And I emailed him and I said, Hey, I just quick feedback. Your tortilla wraps aren't tight. And he forwarded me to someone on his team. And then that kind of opened the dialogue. He said, thanks. And so if you do it in a positive way and you're already giving someone money, that's a great way to actually just open a conversation with them versus just being complaining or anything like that on Twitter. The second thing with Tim that was interesting, so for a year, I emailed him about every other month to say, hey, you should really come on the show. We have a relatively large audience. Our podcast listeners are the best. And he said, hey, I'm busy. I broke my clavicle, whatever he broke. He just was busy for a long time. And everyone's busy. David, we've talked about this. Everyone's so busy. It's not that they're busy. They just have more important things than me or than you. And so finally, I just gave up on messaging him. And I thought I'd throw a Hail Mary. And I said, hey, why don't we just go for a bike ride? And literally, we had a bike ride the next two weeks. And so it was just a good reminder. And I thought, you know, Tim has amazing stories. We'll probably put an episode out in the future with him. But I thought in terms of how you can connect with people, the thing that I really took away from it, instead of just one, give them something right away that's for them. Don't ask for anything. That's what a lot of people do. It's like, hey, give me this right away. And secondly, how do you find something that they're going to do anyways or something that they would actually look forward to doing? Is it archery? Is it a charity thing? Is it bike riding? And so with Tim, it was bike riding. I didn't even realize he was a big bike rider, but I just thought, hey, let's not even worry about a podcast. Let's just build a relationship. He said, sure. And I was like, damn, why don't I just try to do things that people want to do anyways, instead of just trying to get something for myself? And what I think is really interesting about what you said is it's not only about helping him, but it's doing something that you also enjoy. So you love biking. So you were able to be happy doing something you like. You were able to make him happy and everything's good. I think part of the problem with it, though, David, is that people think they're doing something for another person, but it's so obviously selfish. Who's a good example? Justin Timberlake. I don't know why that's the first person I thought of. But like, oh, my God, Justin, <laughs> let me get you my podcast because I'm going to promote you. I'm going to get you so many listeners. And then Justin's like, dude, I'm like way bigger than you, by the way, buddy. And I'm you know, married to Jessica Biel and I'm super famous. Right? And it's really just for me. But I'm trying to position it as just for him. So I think you really have to consider it. Like, is it really a great thing for them? Not just like you're making it seem like it, which is what most people end up doing. So for you, Noah, is that an intention setting thing? 
when you go to talk to someone like Tim, are you like, I'm going to make sure the way I phrase this is very clear that it's not a benefit for me. And I'm also going to set the intention that it's not going to be all about me. Of course, there is a benefit for you, but it's not going to be all about you. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I think we're in an era of Tinderization where people literally (laughs) just get sex right away. Uh, my brother just got on Tinder. So I, I'm just observing it. I'm just like, hopefully he gets sex right away. <laughs> but I think it's more of just a reminder for myself and for the listeners was that when you go to talk to someone, I think we want the result instantly. So if we want that sale, if we want that partnership, if we want that connection, if we want a relationship, we think that the first message has to be something I'm going to get the result quickly. And I just have to remind myself, like build the relationship, get to know someone, and then you can do the asks or whatever thing you think will actually be good for them. And it's funny because I thought of this yesterday as well. I was emailing people. My buddy Shane Snow is coming out with a book called Dream Teams. And I was emailing a few friends to help him out. And I realized like, man, the people who I'm asking for help, I've been working with or friends with for over 10 years. It's easy to text or email them anything. I'm not worried about how that's phrased, but that's because it's been 10 years of, you know, Stephen Covey said, like depositing in the bank account of trust. So such a great point. Tim League, everyone, go check out Alamo Draft House, buy all their stuff, go see their movies. I highly recommend it. The second person who I met recently that really stuck with me is this chess grandmaster. He goes by the name of Chess Bra. I'm going to say Bra. His name is Eric Larson, and he's a grandmaster in chess, lives in Canada, the nicest people in the world. I saw him play Magnus Carlsen chess, and I was just kind of fascinated because I started following him on Instagram, and all of his Instagram posts were basically getting drunk and maybe drugs and just partying and going to raves. And I was mentioning it to you, David. I was like, that doesn't really seem what you think of a chess grandmaster. Like when you think of a chess grandmaster, what do you imagine? I just think of a dude who's sitting behind a chessboard all day, hasn't showered in three weeks. Yeah, he like masturbates a lot. I don't know. <laughs> 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 it's like, what'd you do all day? Masturbated and looked at a chessboard by myself? Which is impressive. It's really impressive. But it's not someone you would think would be out at the club at 3 a.m. doing bottles or whatever it is they do. And so it made me really fascinated to connect with him. And so I was able to get a hold of him and, you know, help promote a show Chess Bra on YouTube or on Twitch or on Chess.com. You can check him out, Chess Bra. I chatted with him and then the number one takeaway was that he is actually trying to be the ambassador for chess. So he's trying to show that chess can be cool. It's not just guys sitting at home alone on Friday nights. It's like, hey, there's a lot of fun things you can do with chess. There's a lot of fun activities like chess drinking games. And so it was just like, oh, how do you position something in a new way? And I really appreciated that. The second thing he did that blew my mind is he's been playing chess 20 years. That's crazy to me, right? A lot of us are trying new hobbies every six months, 12 months, including myself. And so I was really fascinated specifically with how do you stick with a habit and continue with it for a very long time, right? How do you keep improving? Where I think a lot of, you know, myself, it's like, ah, with six months, all right, I'm bored of this. Or after a year, I'm not growing as much, I'm going to stop. So how did he keep going? And so he said something to me that has still stuck with me. And I really love the message, which was the biggest moments of growth happen right before you're about to give up. And I was just like, damn, that is some good stuff. So it definitely now as I'm learning mountain biking or chess or doing magic, it's the moments that where you're not feeling like you're actually growing and you're about to give up. That's right before something big is going to happen for you in your growth. Do, do you notice that with surfing at all, David? I know that you're a big surfer. Yeah, I do. It makes me think about what's the difference between knowing when to give something up because it's just not right for you and when we just need to push through because it is right for us. And we need to just kind of transcend the blocking point we're at. And I think the way I see it with surfing is I love surfing. So I'm willing to push past those blocking points because I know that I enjoy what I do. And I know that 
the blocking point I'm reaching will help me become a better surfer when I learn how to transcend it. And then there have been other things in my life that I just have realized I don't want to do this anymore. So I've just stopped doing it. I think that probably comes back to some extent. Why are you doing it? Is there a purpose in what you're doing? For me, Hebrew, I've now been doing Hebrew two years. I still suck at it, okay? <laughs> but, I, you know, I want to speak with my cousins in Israel. I want to go back to where my dad was from and, and speak the language. And so I have a very strong purpose so that even this morning I had to get up, you know, 7.30 for class. And that's just something that I'm looking forward to doing when I have to get up for class and take Hebrew lessons. It's so true. And I know you and I have dealt with this same issue with jujitsu. We've both tried jujitsu in the past and we've both stopped and I think the why is really important because my why for wanting to do jujitsu was just to like do something I thought was cool and to get in better shape, but I can get in better shape with surfing. And then I didn't really think jujitsu was as cool once I started doing it. So my why wasn't that strong. And then I stopped after about a year. Yeah, I just bought a gun. <laughs> I know a jujitsu person. I know there's some guy or girl listening that's like, well, with a gun, Noah, I could disarm you in four minutes and kick your ass. I'm like, probably. Anyways, so a lot of growth happens right before it's hard. And think about what's the purpose of why you're trying to do something. Do you have a strong mission that can keep you motivated through up and down times in learning a new skill or habit? David, a few products. I just want to talk about some websites and products that we've talked about recently that we're really interested in. So first one that we talked about was brandless.com. Have you checked out that website? Yeah, freaking amazing idea for a website. And I'll let you explain what it is, but it's very, very cool. This is one of those ideas that I was like, how did someone not do this already? Like once you see it, you're like, I don't know why I didn't think of this. But basically they're doing Trader Joe's online. They're taking popular products and making brandless.com, brandless products of them. So it's brandless honey, brandless soap, brandless cookies. And the price is only three bucks for everything. And so I'm just like, I don't know how this is not more known because they just launched. And I think it's one of these things in a year or two, everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, I brand this or Amazon's going to acquire them. But for like, you know, 15 bucks, you can get nuts and popcorn and chips. And it's all, I'm sure, very good, healthy white people food where it's like GMO free or whatever the hell people care about these days. It's impressive. I don't know. What, what was your take? Yeah, I felt the same way. And I'm curious from a marketing perspective and from a growth perspective, kind of like what we talked about at the beginning of this call with your advice for Tim on how to change and grow. What do you think brandless needs to do to change and grow and make sure that they're keeping up with staying around in a few years? That's a great question. A lot of times, number one, when I see a business that I think it's too good to be true, I think they're onto something. I'm like, there's no way they could be doing this. And sometimes I'm in the past, I think those companies go out of business because they don't have any money and they actually burn through all of it. <laughs> but a lot of them, <laughs> it's actually a really great idea. So I think number one, when you fit a really strong need, which is like, there's 300 million, at least in America that buy things. A lot of them are online. They're all looking for something affordable. There's almost too many brands nowadays. How do we get premium products at affordable prices? So I just think they hit a strong need. I think if I were brandless, how would I grow it? I think there's probably two or three different thoughts I would start exploring. Number one, is there geography-based marketing that I'd really focus on? So if you think about this, this is probably maybe not a strong Midwestern business. Is it more stronger like coastal? So San Francisco, New York, Chicago, the coast and major metropolitan cities. So I think, is there a geography angle? Number two, I, I would, is there a product specific angle? So what are branded products that we're all paying money for that we just don't give a shit about? Or that we give a shit so much about that we're like, man, three bucks, finally. So I would think, is it tea? Is it honey? Is it pasta? Because maybe at the end of the day, no one even actually cares about that. So is there a specific vertical of product that they could focus on? 
and I'm sure through their sales, I could probably look at like the 80-20 of it. Two other thoughts. One, is there a activity-based category that they could target? So is it, you know, mommy bloggers, and then they could just target moms very hardcore? Or is it single dudes living in condos? The point is, is like looking for a specific category of people, and then really targeting on that. Lastly, is there basically a subscription or monthly version of it that makes a lot of sense? So what are products every month that are branded that I don't really care about that I would just want to have on repeat from these guys? I don't know. What's your thought on them? And then, you know, how would you actually get the word out about brands? It's kind of a good question. I love your answer. And I think shout out to our video 2018 marketing strategies, which covers a lot of what you mentioned. And I think the too good to be true is really, really fascinating. And we're going to probably talk about Bird in a little bit, another company that to me is a too good to be true and comes to mind as one of those companies that is just like, how are they doing what they're doing, which is a great sign. And I think there is a lot to going after different segments and different groups and different markets. So targeting those moms, like you said, potentially coming out with a paleo line and targeting the crazy paleo bloggers that are willing to put money down. I think that's a really good approach and it could lead to some good success. So go check them out. I'm going to place an order today. Let me see what the hell I should buy. You should buy some of that honey, the artisan non-GMO white person honey. <laughs> <laughs> I will buy some honey today. It's $3 and like $1 shipping. And this is not paid or sponsored. I just think it's an interesting company. All right, I'll buy that. Maybe some hot sauce. All right, I'll put in my order today. We'll follow up in a year to see if they're still in business and how well these guys are doing. Let's talk about the next company you mentioned. It's one of these things where in maybe six months, if not sooner, people are all going to hear about this, David. Do you want to talk about it? Because you're the one who uh, spotted it. Oh, yeah. So I told Noah about this recently, and I love this company. So this company is called Bird, and they're founded by this guy. I think his name is Tyler Van something, and he's a former Uber and Lyft guy. And what they do is they're dockless scooters. So in San Diego and Santa Monica, they're two main cities right now. You can start renting a scooter, an electric scooter for a dollar to start, and then it's 15 cents per minute after that. So what I really like about this is it's a great last mile transportation system. So I took it down to the grocery store, which is literally a mile away, picked up some groceries, threw it on my back, rented the scooter on the way there, rented the scooter on the way back, and it cost me $3 combined. Just an amazing, amazing concept. So goes 15 miles per hour, a lot of fun, seeing a lot of people on it. They're getting a lot of interest, which I think is a good indicator that they're doing something right. And I can't really wait to see where they go. What about it was appealing for you? You know, I just want to go fast on a scooter, man. <laughs> 15 miles per hour. That's it. Just my hair breezing in the wind. <laughs> ah, you hair people disgust me. So Bird is really interesting, right? If you're trying to get around town, there's, you know, the bicycle rentals, which in China... Bicycle sharing is gigantic, gigantic out there. It's heavily used. In America, I don't think it's as popular. There's City Bike in New York and B-Cycle in Awesome. It's not as popular. But the scootering thing, it's electric, right? So you can get 50 miles an hour. And it seems really convenient. I guess I was curious how many cities that would be available for, right? Like how many cities is that actually really beneficial? Like Houston, for instance, you can't go anywhere in a scooter. The closest place is 20 minutes. Like your neighbor is 20 minutes away, right? So I was, I was kind of like, is it, you know, New York, San Francisco, maybe Austin. So, you know, is it universal? And if you're raising $100 million, you're betting pretty big on some scooters. Yeah. And I'm curious two things to hear how you view this, because I've thought about this too, and I'm not sure how I would look at it if I was behind the scenes at Bird. But I think they're going to run into two big issues, which they've already started running into. And one is they raised about a million dollars, a couple million dollars about a month and a half ago, and they recently raised a $100 million. So, how do they use this money? What are they going to use this money for? 
And then the second part of the question that I'm curious how they're going to deal with is dockless scooters work great in cities like San Diego, where it's populated but not overly populated. How do they get into cities like New York or Boston that are just like so chaotic that a scooter would get run over by a car in an instant? What do you think about this? (laughs) I think a lot of the biggest ideas seemed silly or stupid at first. You know, because when Uber came out, I think I was one of the first few thousands to sign up for it in San Francisco when it was the black car. Five star Noah Kagan. Yeah. yeah now Noah Kagan five stars my name on it. And my ratings going up just by the better name. And then, you know, Lyft, which one of my best friends, Boris works there, they started a Zim ride. So they were doing company travel and I believe college travel. And then they came up with, oh, let's try this Lyft ride thing so that people can do peer to peer riding. And so both of them didn't actually start out with the idea that became the big thing. And a lot of people are like, well, why is this going to be big? I remember Borsa worked at Zimride. I was like, oh, God, Borsa cares, cares about the environment. There he goes. But it, you know, it kept iterating. And so I do wonder if there's something there with where Bert iterates to. So I'm not sure. And a lot of times it's like things do seem a little crazy that end up being big. Facebook and a lot of these different ideas. And this is something we don't really talk about too much, which is kind of fascinating. If you see a company raising $100 million and you're on the inside of the company, like let's say you're the CEO of Bird, what are you spending that much money on? What are you doing with that money? Well, hopefully, I know with Facebook, it was like, hey, we're growing on this crazy trajectory, so we're going to need all this money to grow. Same with Amazon. I think people kind of forget that Amazon lost money for the first, I don't know, five to 10 years. Someone who finance can go double check the numbers, but it was like for 10 years, they're losing money. But I think there's a big opportunity around transportation that Uber and Lyft is showing. I do think there's waves and then people just get excited about it. You know, crypto was big. Blogging used to be big. Facebook platform was big. iPhone store was big. And now, you know, peer-to-peer sharing economy is big. And so the question is like, what does the future of that look like? And maybe it will be scooter based. That's right. We'll get you a wig so that your hair can blow in the wind too. <laughs> we, we got you covered, man. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I'll be out in uh, Santa Monica later this summer. So I'm curious to check that out. One other site that we saw recently that I was just like, man, this is so good is Omaze. So it's like Amaze with an O. Uh, and I think those guys are actually based in Los Angeles and they partner with Magic Johnson. And it's a really amazing site. So I just want to give those guys a bit of a plug. The idea with Omaze is that it's raffles for insane prizes. So it's, you know, be featured on South Park, you know, dinner with Obama. It's one of these things where it's like, wow, that's a really neat idea. Super, super high-end elite activities that you can buy raffle that go to charity for very famous people. Like I think some of you may have seen Elon Musk's brother is giving away a Tesla. You see some of the ads for that. Go check out Omaze.com. I think that's about it. Um, (laughs) All right, so we have four other things we just want to run by you guys because we think you're going to really like it, which is books, movies, food, and personal. So book-wise, I'm going to share a few books that I thought were really good. Write them down, save them. David, maybe if you have a book on your side. American Kingpin, it's the story of the guy who created Silk Road, Ross Ulbricht. He's from Austin. People have seen him around here back in the day. And it's kind of one of these interesting stories. It reminds me of Breaking Bad, where the person started off really nice, and then this things got out of control. And I thought I knew the story, but I had no idea. So I'd highly recommend that one. The other two books were Ice to Eskimos. I love business books. I've read a lot of them over my life. I love finding ones that I haven't heard of before and ones that aren't really mainstream. Ice to Eskimos is from the director of marketing from a guy who ran major, major basketball teams, the Trailblazers, the Nuggets, the New Jersey Nets, and how even though they didn't win the most games, these teams sold the most tickets or one of the top ticket sales and revenue sales. So how the hell did they do that? That book is Ice to Eskimos. And lastly, the book that I've been talking about a lot, and I just got to reread it because it's so damn good, is Million Miles in a Thousand Years by Don Miller. 
It's just about how to make your life interesting and how to make life a great story. I got that book at the library, by the way. If you're not going to the library, that shit is free. You can get audiobooks and Kindle books free from the library. So go check out Million Miles in a Thousand Years at your local library. This message sponsored by American Library Association. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but David, have you read any books lately that you like? Yeah, so I have. And this book is actually a recommendation from you. So I'll do one book for all the listeners. So Creativity Inc. is fantastic. It's all about Pixar and what goes on behind the scenes of Pixar and how they consistently are able to do hit after hit after hit in a very competitive industry. So highly recommend you guys check that out. Do you remember the one reason that they were able to do hit after hit or what they say? I remember what I think it is, but I don't remember exactly what they say. What do you think it was? So to me, what I took away is they really focus on beautiful stories and quality over everything else. So that's good. I think a lot of people think they do that. I think the thing with Creativity Inc. that I thought was so powerful was their committees. Yes, that's actually a great one. And I hate committees and I hate most meetings, but I remember that they did these committee things where everyone would come into a room to watch parts of their movies and they would just rip on it. And I thought that group kind of collaboration and crap talking around it was just so strong, being critically honest and brutally honest to make a better product. So yeah, Creativity Inc., great call, David. Next up, we've got shows. This is a quick one. Go check out Big Mouth on Netflix. If you like Family Guy or Brickleberry, Big Mouth, I think my buddy Neville from Copyright and Course recommended it. It's these kids. It's hysterically funny. I love it. So check out Big Mouth. Next up is food. So yeah, we're going a little bit quickly, but I've met these guys recently. They just sent me free coffee and it's called drinksupercoffee.com, drinksupercoffee.com. And I actually made it at home today because I don't have any other product. I just ordered more. But the idea with it is that if you want coffee with protein, without a lot of sugars, it's kind of a pain in the butt to make, or it's just not, there's nothing out there like that. Uh, these guys sent me a box of it. They were on Shark Tank as well. Uh, and I love this stuff. It's super good. They have all these flavors. There's not sugar in it. It's all natural stuff. I'm, I'm like shaking my head. Of course, it's all natural. But it's basically 10 grams of protein, low sugar, low calories. And it's a great morning starter. If you just want to have something, it feels like an ad. I should get paid for this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out, drinksupercoffee.com if you want a new thing for the breakfast. And lastly is personal things that David and I are working on that we think are really interesting. So first up is kingsumo.com. We just launched it. It's free giveaway software. So if you're trying to grow your email list, if you're trying to grow your YouTube, your podcast, your Instagram, or anything related to following, go use kingsumo.com. It's free. David, what, what did you think about the launch? We just promoted it last week for the first time. We made a web version so anyone can use it. Yeah, I'll share more about the launch in the show notes. It's really interesting to show behind the scenes of what our goal was, what we we're aiming for. Really, the biggest thing for King Sumo with us that we were excited about is we've seen 60,000 entries and subscribers to Noah's site over the past couple years. Say that one more time. How many? 60,000 email subscribers from giveaways to Noah's site. Crazy. That is crazy. Okay. It is. And AppSumo, as you've talked about before, one of the biggest reasons why it grew is because of giveaways. What we wanted to do was make it more accessible to people to run giveaways. You don't always need to give away a $3,000 vacation package. Even just giving away an hour of consulting time or $80 book package has resulted in some crazy, crazy high entries. So really excited to see where it goes. And we're excited to keep building it for you guys to make it easier and better to grow your email list. Awesome. Yeah, we're doing it right now. I think for YouTube, it's definitely really helped us. I think Pat Flynn is doing YouTube. Ryan Holiday is doing it for his new book launch. Definitely check it out at King Sumo. The other thing that was one of the most exciting things that happened to me in February was the Bo Jackson 
bowbikesbama.com charity ride. So I'm doing that in April. And I thought it would be really fun to participate and actually raise money for that charity, the Alabama Emergency Relief Fund. I've never done anything like it. I've never really asked friends or audience of OK Dork people or podcast listeners to check it out, but I did it. And so far we've raised over 30,000 bucks, which is pretty damn crazy. If you want to support me on the bike ride, I'm giving away shirts and playing cards. I think we're sold out of the phone calls and the bike ride and we're doing a taco meetup in Mexico. I think those are sold out, but there's still things available. Check it out at okdork.com slash bow dash nose. Okdork.com slash bow dash nose. I think by the time you hear this, there'll be another week or so left of donations available. But it's been amazing to do charity. It's one of the things I realized I don't know if we can do enough of it. There's a lot of people that need help in Alabama, in local cities, worldwide. So it's something I want to spend more time doing. That was a damn good February. A lot of good people, a lot of things to see, a lot of things to do. I want to hear how your February was. Hit me up at Noah Kagan and let me know how it goes. Have a splendid day. What's your favorite brand of water? (laughs) 